Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Wyoming. I'm your host, Mark Hamilton, and today we'll take a look at the weather. We'll also take a look at sports, and that bronze boot is going back to Laramie. Also, we'll take a look at the political happenings, and also we'll touch base in JM Wyoming. So glad you hopped on board. We hope you enjoy the show. Taking a look at Wyoming weather here on the 17th day of November. And we do have snow. Been snowing during the week and it's cold out there. The roads are getting a little treacherous in spots. Again, we talked about how our weather can happen here in Wyoming. We're looking at some wind chills this morning. I saw some roads over near Sheridan were closed. But we've had about three snowstorms in the last week and starting to accumulate snow on the ground. So also taking a look at next week with Thanksgiving just right around the corner. It looks like the weather's going to straighten up. I didn't see the forecast going into the weekend, but right now we do have cold winter. A good day to bundle up and stay warm. Taking a look at Wyoming sports, what an exciting weekend it was for the Wyoming Cowboys. The Cowboys went down to Fort Collins, Colorado, took on CSU and the Border War, and they came out with a 14-13 victory. Just an absolute... Outstanding effort by the team. The starting quarterback got hurt, came out of the game, and they brought in a backup. Young Clemens is, uh, did an admirable job, just outstanding job, and that defense just continues to step up. And they had some injuries during the game, and players filled in, and they continued to battle. It went down to the end, and there was a missed field goal earlier. They could have put CSU up there late fourth quarter. It did go wide left, and kind of on that same note, Wyoming had missed an earlier field goal. John Hoyland, Mr. Dependable, missed one of the few that he missed this year and so pretty much those you can just knock those off but it was 14 to 13 and all that matters the Cowboys won they brought home that bronze boot they'll be in action this Saturday night it might be a little chilly in Laramie as they take on Boise State and Boise State is undefeated and the Cowboys with one loss and so if they win this they'll be in the driver's seat for the conference as far as their division crown so it should be an exciting night of football at the war Definitely, if you're going to that game, make sure you bundle up because it might be a little chilly, but good luck to the Cowboys. Also in high school sports, we finished up our high school football championship games. I Man, I had a pretty tough go of it on my predictions. I think the only prediction that I got, and I, 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 it was the only prediction I got right, was picking Sheridan in that championship game. Cody uh, dropped their game in 3A to Star Valley in 2A. I did get that one right. I did have Pine Bluff, so I guess I, I don't feel so bad. I did get two out of five. Also, in the um, 2A, I should say, in the 2A level loss, I did pick level. Of course, they lost another heartbreaker to Bighorn. Bighorn came out on top. In 1A, Pine Bluffs won. In six man, I had picked Burlington, and Little Snake River had, had taken that crown. So um, two out of five, not a very good uh, betting percentage, but it was – some great football, a great opportunity for all those young people to take in a, the games down at war, play on that turf. It's something that a lot of those kids won't ever have a chance to do. But again, we're now kind of in a break between sports. We're getting ready for our winter sports. We'll start practice next week. And then by December, we'll be in full swing for having 
basketball, boys and girls basketball will be going on, wrestling will be going on, so it'll be a busy time here in the state of Wyoming. Taking a look at Wyoming political happenings, our general election was Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday now, on the 8th. Not much happening in the election as far as happenings here in the state with our Republican-dominated state. Pretty much the primaries decide the general election. The main accounts or main uh, races, I would say, would be the school board was one. That was about it here in Hot Springs County across the state. There were some contested legislative state in uh, a little bit more of a Democratic area. There were some elections that were a little bit more heated, but we ended up getting through ours without a problem. Our, everyone that won the primary in our uh, governor, secretary of state, public instruction, everyone, treasurer, uh, and on and on, all won their election. So we're really quiet here in Wyoming. Now across the U.S., we're expecting a red wave, and I still really can't figure out what happened. There's a lot of people out there that have some ideas of what happened to the election. You know, there was going to be a complete takeover of both the Senate and the House, governor races, and it didn't materialize. And a few of those were really head scratchers. Of course, the longer they went and voted, the less the lead was for the Republican, and, and suddenly the Democrat wins at the end. Kind of the same thing we've seen in other areas. The one that I was a little disappointed in, a couple of them across the U.S., I guess, were in New York. I thought maybe the people of New York were ready for a change, but that didn't happen, what, whatever was going on there. But I thought Lee Zeldin ran a good race. He had some good points, ran on, had a good platform. But again, uh, they decided to stay is and I guess misery loves company. Also, in Michigan, I, I thought Tudor Dixon might have an opportunity with Gretchen Whitmer as far as what she did through COVID and, and just general. But again, same story. Just Dixon ran a spirited race, but came up short. And of course, a lot of earlier polls had her pretty tight, but that didn't materialize. And I guess the one thing we've learned that the polls are never right anymore. I don't quite understand what's going on there. The one that was a big disappointment to me was in Arizona with Carrie Lake. I was just really impressed with Carrie. She had charisma. Uh, she got out amongst the people. She didn't hide in her basement. Didn't dodge anyone. She had town halls. She had events. She had one-on-ones. She did everything you could to present what she wanted to do for the state of Arizona. She had a platform, and, and she didn't hide the platform. And she told people what she was going to do and what the priorities were. And, you know, she just had that capability of the communication. Of course, that helped from her being a news anchor for a lot of years and being in that game. But she ended up, it's still, right now she has not conceded, but more or less the existing Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, is looks like she's going to win. There's going to be some questions on Maybe some challenges coming up. There were some problems in Maricopa County, and imagine that if you follow the 2020 election. And they had an issue where one-fifth of the polling centers had problems with their equipment at the sites. It lasted for a few hours, said they ran out of ink and other problems that couldn't tabulate votes, and people had to leave them in boxes. And it was kind of strange because it seemed to be in certain areas. Now, how do you get to an election and suddenly have that many places go down, polling places go down with irregularities and are down for hours and the lines were getting longer. And how many people were disenfranchised by this? The 
Lake uh, campaign and, and others went to a judge to try to get the polls to be left open for three additional hours to make up for the downtime caused by the tabulator issues. And of course, that was, you know, it was denied. And so now here we are sitting and the races on a couple of them, the attorney general race was really close. And so everybody's saying, well, you know, how many votes were were left out and what happened? And I've heard a lot of commentators talking about what's going on and how the Democrats are, are doing a great job of getting people out to vote, getting the they're specialized in mail-in balloting and whether the harvesting of balloting is going on or what's happening. But it seems kind of strange that you look back, and, and I've listened to different commentators, but you look at Joe Biden's campaign, which more or less he just stayed in the basement. His events were nobody was there. It was pretty much stand back, and, and he ended up with the most votes ever, uh, presidents ever received, even more than Barack Obama had. And then you get John Fetterman and Pennsylvania had the same thing happen. And the same in Arizona with Katie Hobbs. He really didn't campaign much. He wouldn't debate. And more or less, let's just wait and we'll just have the election. So I heard the comment, we're having 45 days of election now. So the Republicans are trying to emphasize getting to the polls and voting in person the day of. A lot of people have said that it was a roadblock put up by the Democrats having these machines suddenly fail. And so I, I guess... We, we go through another election cycle, and there's still questions out there. What happened was in 2020 with COVID, a lot of voting laws were changed to allow all mail-in ballots, and a lot of stuff happened. And, you know, the good old days where you voted in person, we had the votes tabulated the same day. That was the issue in, in Nevada and in Arizona, California, same way. I mean, they, they vote for, they vote, have the vote, and then it takes them a week or more to come up with the tabulation of what happened in the race. So we definitely have got some problems. We have to make some changes. Going to be a lot of head scratching for people going forward on what we're going to actually do in our country. One positive point was we did give uh, Nancy Pelosi the boot. She's no longer the Speaker of the House. The Republicans did get enough to get the majority in the House. And we'll see. They've came out today with some plans and what they're going to do, and we'll just see what happens. So I think our road ahead is rocky. We're still got some nothing's happened with inflation, with all the other issues we have in our country, the open border, fentanyl, the issues about transgender, same-sex marriage. They're just out there by the truckload right now. And so we've got some issues in front of us, crime in these cities. There have been numerous murders this week at college campuses. Just a strange time, and I, I think it's going to be a rocky road ahead for us and uh, trying to get through this winter with potential supply chain shortages and other such. So all I can say is, is that we've got the holidays up. We've got Thanksgiving next week. It's a good time maybe to get with your family and friends and be thankful for what you have here, especially for people here in Wyoming. That's why I'm always thankful for where I live and the opportunities and, and the life that we live here in our state of Wyoming. And sometimes you just wonder about the world. But again, enjoy your Thanksgiving. And you've got the Christmas coming up. Enjoy these holidays and cherish the time. And if nothing else works, there's always the man upstairs. You can always take a knee and pray to God for guidance for this country and, and for the United States and guidance on what you should do moving forward. Today we'll be looking at J.M. 
barely holding on. J.M. Wyoming began along a watering hole on the old Texas Trail that ran north-south through Goshen County. The land around the town site was originally claimed by James Moore, a former Pony Express rider and rancher in 1860. By 1869, Moore had the second largest cattle ranch in Wyoming Territory under the brand J. Rolling M. A small stream on his land was named J.M. Creek. Moore died in 1873, but his brand continued to live on. On February 13, 1899, a post office was established on J.M. Creek, a short distance from the future site of the present town of J.M. The postmaster was Uncle Jack Hargraves, and the post office went by the name of Hargraves. Uncle Jack was an unconventional person with decided opinions of his own. The story goes that there came a time when the U.S. Postal Inspector called on Uncle Jack and their opinions strongly clashed. After that, Uncle Jack informed the inspector that he could pack up his post office and get out, which is exactly what the gentleman did. Since the materials and supplies of the post office were all contained in a large wooden box, packing up and getting out was not a very difficult task. This left the ranchers and settlers with no post office nearer than the Rawhide Butte Station or Fort Laramie for the next 10 years. In 1905, Silas Harris and his three sons, Art, Lake, and Frank, from Wisconsin, took over the J.M. Cattle Company. Three years later, in 1908, Silas Harris sent a request to Washington, D.C. to have a post office in the area again. They replied that the post office would be established so the family would bring the mail from the Rawhide Butte Station to J.M. Ranch every other day for 90 days. Silas's son, Lake Harris, made the 20-mile trip for the three months it was required. Upon receiving approval for the post office, the equipment was set up in a bunkhouse at the ranch. On February 10, 1909, Elizabeth Thornton, a friend of the Harris family, was appointed postmistress. In addition to the post office, the Harris family maintained a small general store on the J.M. Ranch. The Silas Harris Company store sold general merchandise to area farmers and ranchers, provided rudimentary banking services, bought farm produce, and became a gathering place for homesteaders and cowboys alike. In 1912, 21-year-old Lake C. Harris filed for land under the Homestead Act on an empty stretch of prairie along Rawhead Creek. He first built his own house and then operated a feed store in the ranch bunkhouse, which soon became a general store. When he was appointed postmaster in 1914, the post offices moved to his store. In addition to homesteading, Harris immediately began establishing a town to support area ranchers. He called the new town site J.M. after Jim Moore's J.M. Ranch. A weekly newspaper called the J.M. Sentinel and the Fort Laramie News ran from 1917 to 1921. The Harris General Store was moved from the ranch to the new town site in 1918. Other businesses were also established, including a yard and a blacksmith shop. The Farmer State Bank opened in 1920 and Shout's Garage opened in 1925. Through the 1920s and 30s, the town became a regional center for commerce in northern Goshen County. Afterwards, however, it began to decline as the automobile made it easier for residents to travel to larger towns like Lusk, Lingle, and Torrington. In 1931, Lake Harris was again appointed postmaster, a position he held until 1959 when he retired. In 1935, Lake Harris established the J.M. Stone Company, making tombstones and building products from the stone quarried around the Rawhide Buttes. The Farmer State Bank sold out in 1940. 
1945 and Shout's Garage closed the same year. However, the following year, the garage would reopen as Wolf's Repair, a business that lasted until 1960. The general store lasted until the late 1970s. Lake Harris died in 1983 at the age of 96. At about the same time, most of the remaining residents gradually moved to more modern accommodation scattered around the edge of town, eventually leaving the old historic center of town abandoned for the most part. Never incorporated, the streets of JM were never paved or graveled. There were never sidewalks, curbs, or gutter, and there were no municipal organizations or community center. At its largest, JM hosted more than 200 residents. The JM Historical District was listed on the National Register of Historical Places in 1984. The Historical District is a tightly knit commercial center with all the buildings within a block of each other. The buildings constructed with materials at hand display a consistent architectural design. The buildings are wood-framed with shiplap siding and some concrete walls and foundations. They have simple, functional doors, windows, and gabled roofs, and they are small one- or two-stories, constructed to serve the needs at hand. A few modern structures are scattered about the fringes, housing the few remaining residents. The district, looking much like it did in 1910 and 1920, remains in the hands of the Lake Harris heirs. The buildings of the historic district include the Lumberyard. This is an unusual commercial structure with a two-and-a-half-story false front at the east end, an arch connecting wall and gabled warehouse that creates a courtyard in between, which was two shed-type outbuildings. This building was first called the JM Store and then the General Store. In 1917, it housed the grocery, hardware, drugstore, livestock feed, and lumberyard. The Stone Company, a two-story gable brick structure, was with two large shed roof wings flanking the central structure. The concrete wings are on one story and may have functioned as a living quarter on the east and storage on the right. Lloyd Damro and Oscar Bradbury opened a business called JM Onyx and Gem Company. Through the years, it was also known as the Wyoming Marble and Stone Inc. and JM Stone Shop. They made headstones, fireplace mantles, tabletops, paperweights, salt and pepper shakers, ashtrays, candlestick holders, and jewelry. The bank in JM was a one-story wood frame, shiplap commercial building that has concrete foundation and a flat roof. Two oversized fixed windows are flanking the central front door with concrete sills and plain surroundings. There is a small one-story frame garage with a gable tin roof and original double doors and back. Farmer State Bank opened for business in 1920. In 1933, after a month-long run on American banks, President Franklin Roosevelt temporarily shut down banks on March 6, and they weren't allowed to reopen until March 13. The Farmer State Bank and JM did not receive word of this, so it stayed open. The bank was robbed in 1935. The bank was sold to the First National Bank of Torrington in 1945, but it never reopened. At one point, the post office was located in the front corner of the bank building. And there's also a house still in JM. There's a very simple one-story frame house on a concrete foundation. There was also the restaurant feed store, post office, general store. This multi-purpose building consisted of two-and-a-half-story gabled roof frame buildings connected by a single-story flat roof link. The left side of the structure, built in 1935, replaced the grocery store that was originally in the Lakes Home. People were allowed to charge their groceries and dry goods. The hall above this store was used for Sunday school, church meetings, and as an apartment. The right side of the building, also called JM Hardware, it also had a soda fountain and gas pumps. 
Town meetings, social, and even rifle practices were held in the hall above the store. Located between the grocery and hardware store was a cream station that, at one time, shipped out more cream than any other station in Wyoming. There also was a repair garage, and this was a one-story wood frame building with a front gable overhanging to create a sheltered drive through James Shouts was the first proprietor from 1928 to 1945. 1928 to 1945, calling it Shouts Garage. From 1946 to 1960, it was called Wolf's Repair. A black shop was located in the rear. There also was a gas station, which was one-story gabled wooden frame and shiplap structure. The gable end is extended to create a drive through carport. And also, the Lake Harris house was an irregular mass one- and two-story wood-framed house. There are three interior brick chimneys and two porches. The house was built over the original dugout with an owl wall still in evidence. Today, JM is called home to about 15 people. A non-denominational church and a post office remain open. JM is located 23 miles south of Lusk, Wyoming, just off Highway 85. And it might be an interesting place to stop by and visit. We want to thank Kathy Alexander of Legends of America for this story. Joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed our show, as per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming, here at Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast. 